This message comes from NPR sponsor Grammarly. Get to the point faster and accomplish more with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcasts to sign up for a free account. And when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium, get 20% off for being an NPR listener. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcasts. It's time for my annual trip to the gym. You only go once a year? Yep. Arrive. Have no clue what to do? Try some random exercises? Leave. That's it. You should try FitBod. It's an app that builds a workout routine just for you, based on your goals, fitness level, and equipment. And a whole year of FitBod costs less than one session with a trainer. Wow. This has already been my most productive gym trip yet. Download FitBod today and get a 14-day free trial plus 25% off your subscription when you go to fitbod.me slash getfit. Welcome to the Fantrax Prospect Toolshed. If you love prospects, you came to the right place, as that's what this show is all about. Covering all levels of the miners to help give you an advantage in your dynasty leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, Dynasty and Prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 21 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another great episode in store for you today with a guest we're very excited about. But first, joining me as always is my partner in crime from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, what's up, bud? Oh, not too much. Just uh, another great day to talk about some prospects and some dynasty, man. Going to be a great talk today about some strategy, something we haven't covered yet. And we have one of the best joining us today. So I'm very, very excited for this conversation. We do. You know, joining us today is one of the people I respect the most in this great industry that we we work in. He's one of the best dynasty minds around without question. You can find his work and rankings over at The Athletic and on the Under the Radar podcast. The one, the only, Ian Khan joins us. Ian, man, thanks for coming on, buddy. How are you doing? Uh, thank you. That's it. Uh, the my the feeling is absolutely mutual with you guys, um, Eric. I've been, you know, you and I've been in contact for a couple of years now, and yep. I always am delighted to to read your stuff, uh, read your rankings. I just think I, the same. My feelings are are equally back right back at you. And Chris, I'm a big fan of yours too, man. I mean, I, I I started following you on Twitter. I'm not sure when I did, but every day there's a little like, well, I really like that guy. I guess for his mind. Man, I, I appreciate I like that. that. It means yeah. a lot coming from you. So thank I you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I said feelings are mutual with you. I, I respect the crap out of you. You know, your rankings, your stuff, the podcast. You know, we'll, we'll let you plug that in a minute here. But some of the housekeeping before we get into the show, you can find us on Twitter. Ian is at IanCon4. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Aircross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Please subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on your preferred podcasting platform. Those ratings and reviews mean a lot. And please check out our new Patreon. We offer a ton of good stuff in there, including additional rankings, customized rankings, in-depth team analysis, extra Patreon-exclusive post and podcast, and much more. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed. And be sure to check out the draft kit over on FantraxHQ.com. A lot of great stuff there. And all the other great podcasts we have on the network, including my other show, 5Tool, SP Streamer, Triple Play, On Campus, Kick Around, Fantasy Hockey Life, and IDP. All right, let's get right into the show. But before we get into the strategy talk here, Ian, the floor is yours. 
what do you got going on? Where can people find you? And which, what do you, what do you want to promote from about well, yourself? Well, what I found fascinating there is that you were talking about uh, Eric Cross 04, and I'm at Ian Con 4. I also, you know, it's Nando <laughs> Defino, my partner on uh, on Under the Radar. I do that show on Tuesdays with Dirk Van Riper and Nando Defino, Under the Radar, part of the fan, Athletic Fantasy Baseball podcast uh, stream. Um, <laughs> they, uh, they, they tease me because I have two twitter accounts i have my actor account which is at ian con and if you're looking for baseball content you will not find that there um but at ian con four you you will find uh, me talking with these gentlemen and other people about uh fantasy baseball typically on dynasty my dynasty rankings uh, was over at rotowire for the last two years doing it over there and then i moved over to the athletic uh, right before this season started, like right in late January, early February. And I've got two sets of rankings over there, which I was sort of excited to hear what Eric and Chris thought about. And we talked about it for a second before the show. We have the, I, I kind of did a top 300 win now and a top 300 uh, playing for the future. The key thing, and I, I do want to say this, like you have to read the little article because if you're making a trade based on the rankings, if you use the playing for the future rankings, you're going to get killed. I mean, destroyed. You have to use the win now list for the trade values. Um, the the playing for the future is about the guys that I believe you should be going after. And if you're doing a startup draft, I would use directly the play for the future um, list. That's what it's for. So that's what I'm doing over there, and I have a really great time. It's it's a it's just it's just a lot of fun. And Nando and Derek and I have a, have a good time. We really do. Yeah, definitely. If you're listening and you don't already have a subscription to The Athletic, go out and get one. I've had one for a while now, even before, you know, the wonderful Ian Khan joined The Athletic. A lot of great people over there putting out great work and written work, rankings, podcasts. It's a great site. And definitely. the podcast, if I can say, sorry to interrupt, Derek. Yeah, the, the podcast is not behind the paywall, so you can listen to the podcast even yeah. if you're not an Athletic subscriber. And if you're going to subscribe to The Athletic, Please do it through my page because then Nava calls me <laughs> up and goes, you got like nine more uh, subscriptions this week. Good job, Ian. So that's that's my version of, of a positive, positive feedback. There you go. Yeah, go through, go find one of Ian's articles, do it through there. Give him a little little bump there. That's always great. Uh, let's get right into the, into the show here. Uh, let's start with, you know, you're starting a new dynasty league. We're talking strategy. Let's start with the initial startup dynasty. There are several different kind of strategies that people can go with you know, when starting up a dynasty is kind of win now or win later. Those are the two, you know, in with Ian's rankings, you can look at either way, but there's also what I like to call win forever because, you know, yeah, it's great. You want to be competitive always. Everyone loves winning every time, every year they're in a league, but I want to be able to establish, you know, a, a long run of dominance. And I expect every league I join to be, you know, to be around for a while. I don't expect it to fold after like year three or four. You know, I'm in my home, still in my homekeeper league, or yeah, you know, it's kind of calf keeper half dynasty. But you know, we're going into year sixteen. We started back in high school, so that's kind of the the, the mindset I have. I want to win forever, Ian. I know what your strategy is going into the startup dynasty draft, but like, why don't you tell the listeners out there what you what you do for when we, in your startup dynasties? Okay, cool. Um, well, basically, it, it's interesting because when you just said that about win now or win later. The, the the style that I use sets me up or whoever uses this style to actually compete in that first season, but it doesn't look like it at the at the beginning because what what I do is let's say I, I just did a, a, a shared a team with Brett Sayre and we're doing this uh, we we joined this high stakes dynasty league with a bunch of poker players. It's kind of fascinating and fun. Um, and what we did was we ended up getting the first pick 
so we took Acuna one, we took Eloy at the turn 30, and then we took Keston Hura at 31. So this was obviously last year that we did this. Then starting with the fourth round, we just took prospects from the fourth round till the 30th round. And, you know, just to give you some idea, it, name name a prospect, guys. Name a top 20 prospect, and I'll let you know if he's he is on the team. Other than Wander Franco. Wander Franco is not on the team because he was taken in that in that middle spot. But while everyone else is playing for today for the first year, which is typically what people do, it's like, hey, I want to win. I'm trying to do that. I want to win. No, that's not how I do it because I want to play for the I want to play for the second year. And it works almost every single time, almost. And then once you get your team set. And then it, it, trading comes into play, but we have Kelnick, we have Julio Rodriguez, we have Marco Luciano, we have a, we have Abrams, we have Rutschman, we have Vaughn, we have Torkelson now. I mean, we have all of the players. We then can trade each one of those pieces to a team in mid-April, late April, to a team that was going for it this year. And then they go, oh, this isn't going to work because I had this injury and I have this injury. I'm not going to win. Then I can get on the phone with that player and say, hey, listen, because in Dynasty Leagues, what you have to do is you have to have a point of view. Like you, What you don't want to do is just sort of sit there and say, like, well, we'll see how it goes. You either want to be going for the championship or you want to be competing for the championship or you want to be building towards the championship in the future. Well, now Brett and I have 30 of the top prospects in baseball, 30 of the top 45 prospects in baseball that we then can use to populate other people's teams and a single piece, Austin Martin, we have a single piece can bring us back three pieces of guys who are in their late twenties, early thirties. And they're like, Hey, I want to, yeah, totally. I want, I want to build around Marco Luciano. So I'm going to give you this, this, and this, and then it's all about value and then putting all that together. So that's, that's how it, how I've done it. That's how it works. That's how it always seems to work. Um, and then it's about finding getting the finding the passion of the other player i've got one guy in that league who's like i'm gonna give you anything you want for andrew vaughn anything you want for andrew (laughs) like well okay well then we'll just wait till till your team sort of keels over a little bit and then i'll take four of your players for andrew vaughn and then i can start building from that perspective and still even if we do that we're still holding 20 of the top prospects left even if we trade 10 of them so the upside here, and it's all young bats. I mean, I'm not taking a pitcher. I think our first pitcher was Daniel Lynch in like the 28th round. And then we took Shane Baz in the 29th. While everyone else is taking Carlos Martinez or Nathan Ivaldi, and they're filling out that stuff. And at that point, we're still taking, gosh, I mean, like it's just insane. Like, uh, oh, God, I'm totally blanking on his name. Uh, Helio Ramos. We got Helio Ramos in the 22nd round. While someone else is taking Stephen Piscotti. Because they're playing for now. So that was what I would recommend. Now, one of the upside, one of the things you have to be mindful of is if there's three other guys in the league who are listening to this podcast and they're like, hey, I'm doing that too, that's not going to work as well. So you have to make adjustments. It was right. the moment after we took Kellenic in the fourth. I like Kellenic too, just like you, Eric Cross. Kellenic yeah. in the fourth and Julio Rodriguez in the fifth. And then it came back to us and no other prospects were taken. We we're like, all right, field's wide open. We could take yep. one. The only guy we didn't get was Christian Robinson. I mean, literally, it's the only guy we don't have. Yeah, it's a lot yeah, of fun that way. It is. It definitely is. And I'm glad you brought that up. And and this is why Ian Collins is one of the best dynasty players in the world. Listen to what he is saying. I did kind of the same approach here in a 30 team dynasty that Chris and I are both in. That started uh, in 2020 last year, and 
we drafted, we were about to get ready to do our draft and then COVID hit. So we ended up not drafting until what was it? June or something. And knowing the craziness of the shortened season where I'm like, all right, 30 teamer, two months of action. Who knows how this is going to go. I went kind of that same similar route. I just load up on prospects. I finished dead last by a mile. I was, you know, it's Roto. I was a good 15, 20 points below 29th place, but that's fine. That's what I wanted. But then this offseason, as Chris can, you know, back me up on this, I've started trading. I made, I traded Adley Rushman. I traded the way Luis Mato, all these prospects that I accumulated. And now I think I have a team that's, you know, going to be top 10 this year. I got Chris Bryant. I got Kyle Tucker. I got, I ended up getting Trevor Bauer, who I've since traded again. I got Michael Conforto, all these players that I can win now with. So that's definitely a great strategy that I, I like a lot. Chris, you know, what's your strategy here in, in your initial dynasty startup draft? Yeah, so like usually I've always been like a, a win now approach, but uh, I listened to Ian on a couple podcasts and I heard this strategy. And you know I've never been like anti prospects. I've always been the guy that goes and finds those under the radar prospects. Like so, you know I've in a dynasty I started up in before 2018. You know went out and it must have been 2019 actually. I drafted like Noel V. Marte very late. Like he was like my last pick at like in like the 800s. Like I like finding guys like that who then take off and I use them as trade chips. But then, you know, I've think, been rethinking a lot of this because in the questions like really burdened me. Like why, like when we look at dynasty dragons and people ask us these questions all the time, like, you know, is this fair value? Like is, is Kelnick good value for, for blank, like sub in whoever, like Xander Bogarts per se. And, you know, it's, people don't grasp like really how to value prospects and that enables you to be able to trade for virtually anybody you want. Like you mentioned Ian, like that's something that you said you've been very successful at doing. Like you draft and you're able to move these guys, especially when they realize that, you know, their team's not competing. And it's something I think that's been pretty successful and I've had success with a variety of strategies. Um, but mostly like, for the most part, I've gone after those like you draft you know, younger MLB guys, and then you I hammer the the prospects later. But I've been really intrigued by this, and you know I'm kind of wanting to do another dynasty startup and just hammer this strategy and see see how it goes. But yeah, I like that idea a lot because I've watched you know I watch Eric do it in the 30 team league, and he just exploiting guys like getting this offseason getting these great MLB assets for prospects that I think are gonna kind of on the fall down. So. Can, can, I, can I add something to that? And I'm going to combine two different leagues, right? So I'm going to combine one dynasty league where I took one of these players. So I just want to go back to this original draft in with, with Brett. So I'm, I'm not kidding you. In the ninth round, we took Luciano. In the 10th round, Nick Madrigal. Uh, just what can you do? The guy loves Madrigal. Just, you know, what can you do? <laughs> um, CJ Abrams in the 11th. And I was I said, I'm, I'm quitting if we don't take Abrams here. Like, if Abrams isn't here, I'm quitting because <laughs> I love Abrams. And he's like, okay, so. we'll take Abrams. We'll take Abrams. Then we got, check this. We got Kirilov in the 12th. We got Dominguez in the 13th. Uh, Sale and Syndergaard, we took 14, 15, which we ended up moving right before. It's complicated. But then listen to this. Listen to this run here. And think about what you can get for this player now, a year later. We got Bobby Witt in the 17th. We got Trevor Larnach in the 18th, Jazz Chisel 19th, Tremel the 20th, Mountcastle 21st, Helio Ramos the 22nd, Corbin Carroll the 23rd. So now Corbin Carroll, let's talk about Corbin Carroll in the 23rd round. I just flipped him in a, in, a, in a trade in another dynasty league pretty much straight up for Liam Hendricks. Okay? So we're talking about the top. And, and is that fair? Is that, you know, some people were complaining. I was like, in two years, this is going to be a terrible trade for me. But the point is that with a 23rd round 
player a year later, you can then trade him for a guy who's going to go in the fourth round, fifth round of a, even of a dynasty startup draft. And that's the upside of it, right? That's the upside of taking these players and you take the hit in that first year. But, but what I did with RDI, when I did this with James Anderson, James and I did this together. We did the same thing. We finished in second place in the first year. Cause I started trading. I was trading my, I was trading assets in a minute and we were, you know, and we, it's just, there's so much value there. If you look at my list, if you look at Eric's list, if everyone else is playing for now and you play a little bit for the future, that's where the, that's where, that's where the unbalance happens. Imbalance, imbalance. That's where the imbalance happens. Anyway. So that, that, that's just something I wanted to share because I pulled up the draft, the draft results from that list, from that lead. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I think a lot of times people forget that when you're in your initial draft, you know, not every player you draft is to be like, all right, this guy I'm drafting for my team. Sometimes you're just like, all right, that's a good value. Like Jason Dominguez, for example, you, you might draft Jason Dominguez, but like, all right, I am drafting him with the sole purpose of, you know, getting that value and then using him as a trade chip, whether that's two months later, next year, whenever mm-hmm. it may be. And that's when the value of these players is so high is that because there's that what if, right? What if this player turns out to be an all-star or a fantasy first rounder? Like that's what we're thinking with these guys like Kelnick and Wander Franco, just on Dominguez, guys like that. So all the times you'll get great value. And like in that 30 teamer that you know I mentioned, I st- even though I have a pretty good team to compete now this in this upcoming year, I still have, I think, seven or eight of my top 100 prospects from my own rankings in a 30 teamer. I think that's pretty good. So I still who have. Do you have who do you have on that team still? Uh, I still have, I got to pull it up here. Uh, I still have Cody Hosey, mm-hmm. who I like a lot. Um, i trying to pull up my team. You've got the high end pitching prospects as well. Yeah. I, I, I forced Whitley, but that, okay. That, <laughs> that kind of, uh, that kind of didn't work out, but it, it was working out. Um, though I, I know I did just trade him actually for a couple other pieces. I traded him for Shane Boz and good. You already won. Um, uh, <laughs> another pitching really prospect good. too, a blanking on it, but it was, it was too solid pitching prospects that I like I'm um, pulling up my team right now. Yeah. And while you're pulling it up, that's, I mean, yeah. I finished drafting a 20 team dynasty about a month ago. I had Joe, you mentioned values. I drafted Joe Adele 87th overall, which I don't love Adele personally, but he fell and I'm like, I'm gonna flip him for something. So yeah. I started hitting people up after the draft. I flipped him and Griffin Canning for Jack Flaherty because someone believes in the upside of Joe Adele. So I got pretty much an ace for Joe Adele. And so, you know, Someone always is going to believe in in the upside of the prospects, and you can do that all day long. So, and and the other thing is, like, the, you know, people are like, well, "How can you make all these trades? How come you all, all these trades?" Because if you get on the phone with people and you speak with them, or if you want to text, you can text. I say get on the phone with them. You can really hear how they how people feel about the players. Like, I made a trade in a keeper league that Dirk Van Riper runs. Um, it was like the last night, literally the last night. I made I didn't make any trades, and then this past Friday I made five trades over the course of in, in this keeper league. And I called this guy with Jared Walsh and he just didn't, you know, he was like, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm keeping him. I was like, I'll give you a fifth for him if you want. And he was sort of back and forth. And I was like, you know, thinking to myself, if I can get Jared Walsh for a fifth round pick, because I got the space, I'm going to be very happy. Ian Connell right there. And, um, and so I held, and I had two fifth round picks. I had a late fifth round and an early fifth round. So I held back. I said, I'll give you my late fifth round. He's like, 
yeah, I don't really know. I'm kind of on the fence. Maybe I should just put him back into the thing. Fifth round pick really doesn't give that much, though it gives a little bit more than your typical first year player draft because it has major league, a lot of major league guys in it. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you my earlier fifth round pick. And he goes, all right, fine. And just that little extra jump, that little extra push. And now Jared Walsh. But I wouldn't have known that unless I got the information from the other owner. The other owner tells you how they feel about the players. And if you're, if you know, like what Chris is saying, I've got Joe Adele and, oh, and the guy's like, oh, I believe no one else believes what I believe that changes his price. And if you don't have that information, you're, you're punching in the dark. So, I, and, and it's not just look, some people are like, well, you're just getting on the phone trying to screw people. No, I'm getting on the phone trying to figure out a way that we can make a deal that works best for both teams, that both teams are going to get better because the reality is if you're playing in a dynasty league, you're going to be playing with these players for years. Hopefully I agree with you, Eric. I don't go forward saying, well, this league might quit. I, no leagues. I'm in don't, don't tend. It happens sometimes. doesn't tend to happen. Um, and you know, I want to make trades that people are like, yo, Ian always gives us a good offer. He gives a fair offer. And that's what I try to do. I don't ever try to screw somebody. Yes. There are times where someone's going to send me an offer where I just go, really? <laughs> right. Except, <laughs> yep. what am I going to do? You, you you offer me the trade. I'm going to take it. But otherwise, I'm looking for a 50-50 deal, 52-48, something like that. Absolutely. That's and that's the thing too. Like you got to build, and we'll talk about this in a little bit too, but you got to build those relationships. Like you mentioned, Ian, you know, the goal is to play in these leagues long term. And you know, hopefully you have the same same cast of characters in this league. So you're gonna be you gotta build those trade relationships because if you don't, then you know. Let's say you know you rip people off, or you don't you don't you know do good trades with them, or don't talk with them. You, you don't have that relationship. You know, maybe you know a few years like you know what? I don't want to trade with Eric Cross. I don't want to trade with Ian Con or Chris Clegg if you don't build those relationships. So that's definitely crucial right there. Uh, and I, I just pulled up my team, so I still have like Bobby Dahlbeck, who's a top you know borderline top one hundred guy for me. I got you know Joe Adele. You know he's not technically a prospect in some rankings, but I still have Joe Adele. Um, you know, Kyle, I've Kyle Tucker as a young guy. I've Cody Hosey, just got Wilman Diaz. I got Bobby Witt Jr. still. Mm -hmm. I got uh, Robert Hassel uh, on the pitching side of things. I have Luis Patino. I have Shane Boz. Oh, Brendan Malone. That's the other guy I got for in that Whitley deal. Um, he's not top 100, but still top 200 or so. Uh, Cape Cavalli is like a top 150 prospect for me. Matt, I got Matt Manning, uh, Jared Kelly from the White Sox. So I still have a pretty, I think, a pretty good core of prospects for a 30 teamer you know to have yeah. you know six seven of my own top 100 yeah those are my rankings obviously but you know some people might differ on, on those values but i still have a lot of good pieces and then this is my lineup now you know i'm probably gonna start um Dahlbeck at first i got gene segura i got chris bryant via trade i got javier baez via trade i got good. austin meadows via trade good i, I ended up trading drew it's one maybe one of my favorite trades i've ever done ever i traded away drew waters and like a minor P it was like one of those guys that probably will never make the major leagues. I forget who it was. That's how minor that player was traded away. Drew waters. who I'm fading in my own rankings. I got back Victor Reyes and Rymel Tapia, two major league pieces. Good speed. Yeah. Neither, neither one great players. No, you know, they're like, you know, guys you draft in what, you know, two fifth, 200 and 300 mm -hmm. range or so in drafts this year, but they got, looks like they got some, you know, playing time, some speed, Helps me fill out my outfield there. Outfield in this league. It's a three, just a three outfielder league. Yeah. But I got one in my, uh, one of them is starting, and then one's kind of like my utility or bench guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I also have, I say, I have Kyle Tucker, I have Joe Adele, I have Austin Meadows as well. So I have That's a pretty fun. good outfield. But yeah, getting a guy where I don't know what Drew Waters is. You know, like we've talked, we talked about him a lot on this podcast where 
you know, with Atlanta's outfield, you know, they already got Cunha. They just resigned Ozuna, Pache, who I think is a better real-life player for Atlanta than Drew Waters is. Where does he fit in? Maybe he's not contributing for a couple of years. So Is Brett Sarah in that league? No. No, he's not, right? No. Because you trade him to Sarah. Or Jesse Roach. You could trade him to Jesse. Jesse's in, Jesse's in this league, yeah, right? Yeah. See, that's it. It's like find the, find, the guy, find the guys who are owners who have passions for players. So, oh, you, and you don't, you don't, you don't anymore. So it doesn't, it doesn't really, really matter. But um, that's just another little, little trick. It's like if if I know, like like if I want to trade Eric Kalanick, I'm trading him to Eric Cross. <laughs> I'm right. Kalanick, but but I'm, if I know, know, like there there are certain guys that I know you love them. That you're, you're I'm going to give. Them. Like that's why I hate the blind offers back and forth. You know, like you mentioned, there's sometimes you get an offer out of the blue. You're like. Wow, I hot damn, I gotta accept this because it's great value for my team. But usually those are those are the anomalies, right? Those are few and far between. You're not gonna get those very often. Um, so having those conversations, building those relationships so you know, like, all right, this person, they like these players. And maybe, you know, I have someone they might like, you know, maybe they need an outfielder or a pitcher. So you gotta have those conversations to build that, that relationship and you know, you want people to trade with you. It, it sucks when you have like you know, a handful of people that just don't want to trade with you for whatever reason. So definitely, and all it takes is one person to be high on a Drew Waters. It's all it takes. The other 28 people can hate Drew Waters. Absolutely can hate Drew Waters. But if that one other person likes Drew Waters, boom, there's your trade partner. All right. So that's that's a, that's a great point um, for, for sure. Let's go ahead and take a quick break here. We have plenty of, you know, strategy conversation coming back on the other side. So don't go anywhere. Stick right with us. We'll be right back. American Giant does things the hard way, but that's because it's the right way. By choosing to manufacture all of its clothes in the United States, American Giant supports local communities and produces the highest quality goods on the market. Ten years ago, they went against the grain and imagined making a hoodie of unbelievable quality locally. One that would hold up for years and get better with each wear. They did just that, and now they have a full range of durable essentials for men and women, including tees, premium sweaters, cozy sweats, and so much more. The best part? Everything is American-made to the highest standards, supporting hardworking communities, living wages, and safe working conditions. So you can buy your values and fill your closet with long-lasting clothes you can feel great about. Wear your values in the new year, complete with durable essentials at American-Giant.com and get 20% off with code NY23 at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com, code NY23. All right, welcome back from the break, talking dynasty strategy with the man himself, Ian Kahn, from the Athletic and the Under the Radar podcast. Let's get right back into it. I want to talk about, you know, here we've talked about some startup talk, some trade talk. Let's go, you know, maybe you're a contending team, but it's kind of hasn't been going well. Maybe you're you're falling out of contention. For me, the worst spot to be in is like that middle ground purgatory, right? Like Ian, Ian kind of brought this up earlier in the show. I either want to be contending or know that I'm in the right direction to contend. You know, maybe I maybe I'm a, a rebuild team, but I got those pieces. I'm I'm excited about the future. Maybe you're in the middle. You get some older players. So the question is, when is the right time to rebuild? You know, Ian, in, in your mind, like I said, maybe your team's kind of been floundering. You know, maybe in the middle of the pack. 
when is the time when you look to rebuild your dynasty team? Never, never flounder, never get to the middle of the pack, rebuild fast, join a, yeah. join a league. So I joined a league, uh, which is actually kind of cool. It's the XFL, which is Ron Chandler's dynasty mm. league. Uh, it's the oldest uh, keeper. It's really more of a keeper league, if we're being honest. But you can keep players for, for as long as you want. So um, I joined with Steve Gardner. Steve Gardner brought me in as his partner. And it was a pretty good team. It came in fourth place last year. Third, fourth, something like that. One of those. And out of uh, out of 15 teams with some of the best players in the game. And it had Bryce Harper on a pretty big contract, um, but that you could keep for three years each additional year. So I, I said to Steve, I said, we have a choice. We can try to sort of move some chips into the center and see if we can compete to win the championship now and then do the rebuild. Or we could do it now. And he said, well, what's the upside of doing it now? I said, the upside is I think we have about a 5 to 10% chance of winning the league this year. If we do the rebuild in 2022, 2023, 2024, we'll have a 40% chance of winning. And then beyond, because we'll always be able to keep building as we go. So we traded Bryce Harper on a $28 contract, which in this league is not bad because it goes up $3 a year. So it'll be 31 34 37 40 and around 43 is where it gets a little too pricey with the inflation that the league has. We traded him straight up. Well, no, we gave Gio Urshela as well, who was on a pretty decent contract for a rookie, Andrew Vaughn, who we get to keep for the next 10 years up to $30. You know, he'll be $3 his first year, six, nine, 12, 15. Because um, there's two different types of contract. You can go up by three. If you, if you grow the player, it's a plus three contract. And if you pick up the player, it's a plus five contract, which really makes a huge difference. Yeah, we absolutely. got for Harper and for Urshela, we got Andrew Vaughn in the two catcher league and Adley Rutschman. So we have both of those players for the next 10 years versus Harper for five. So the question now becomes, I'm going to be moving. We're going to be moving Darvish. We're going to be moving Glass now on a good contract. And we're just going to keep building with young bats, young bats, everybody. I, I stay away from pitching when I'm in the, when I'm moving towards that place. But here's your directly to your question. I want to do it a year early. I don't want to do it a year late because now all of a sudden we do it next year and Harper's a $31 player going to a $34 player. His value goes down. I'm not going to get the same value back. So I'm always looking like whenever I join a new team, if I join a team, I'm looking to, to, to do that. Just always just, Take take your half step back so you can take five steps forward. That's that's how I play the game, and it always serves. Absolutely, that kind of I kind of call that retooling, and not so much rebuilding, it's retooling. And I did that in my home league. I had a pretty good. I've been a contending team for a while, and I had Mookie Betts, and I had a lot of young players as well. So I was like, ah, Mookie Betts. He's kind of he's still gonna be obviously pretty good for the next handful of years. But one team that in, in my league that it's a twelve teamer, uh, one of my home leagues. This guy's been in the middle of the pack for a while, like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth every year. He's like, I want to get to that next level. So we, we started talking and we were, we were talking. He's a friend of mine. We talked about this. I ended up dealing Mookie Betts to him for uh, this was pre 20, just about a year ago, back like last January or so. Um, I got Bo Bichette and a the draft pick, the number one overall pick that year, which I knew I was going to use on Luis Robert. So Mookie Betts for Bobachet, Luis Robert, was it a slight step down? Yes, for for 2020, maybe 2021, but 
eventually, you know, that combination of Bo and Robert, I think is going to be more valuable than Mookie. Then maybe, you know, maybe I end up flipping Robert. Who knows? Maybe he comes out really hot this year. And then people are like, oh, you know, those, the approach concerns are, aren't as prominent now. The, the context skills have gone up, you know, maybe I can flip him for an even better piece. We'll see. I don't know how I'm going to play that, but that's something I try to do where it's like, all right, I'm, the, like you mentioned, a year too early. Maybe it was a year early to you know start selling Mookie bets. Obviously, I think he's going to be a pretty damn good player next handful of years. I don't think this is going to be a decline anytime soon. But you know, I don't want to wait till he's 31, 32, and then yeah, that window is kind of closing. Maybe like ah, you know, he's a little older. I don't want to tr- give you as much for a Mookie bet. So that's kind of how I try to do it. Chris, what what are, what are your thoughts on this? How how do you try to approach that? Yeah, it's a tough balance and line to walk. You know, you you have to get out at the right time. You know, have to know when to buy and sell like you mentioned in in my home dynasty league you know i was contending a couple years ago and i had charlie blackman a guy who i kind of wanted to get rid of i'm like he's benefiting my team right now and so held on to him of course he helped me but now like i can't get anything for him like people won't give me five cents for charlie blackman because he's 35 years old he's worthless i got a charlie blackman story you want to hear it let's do it i would love to hear it listen 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 when you're when you're the champ that's when you trade present value for the future. That's what I believe. Like I traded, I just won the championship in DL one, Dennis league one. And with a really high, like big, big victory, 2019. And then right before the draft, I traded, and people were like, what are you doing? I traded Charlie Blackman and Charlie Morton for the first pick in the draft, which I used on. I'm not happy about it. Because I could have gotten CJ Abrams and I didn't. <laughs> I used it on Jason Dominguez because I'm wearing this Yankee hat. And I said, I just want to have one, one version. I had also traded Fran Mill Reyes earlier in the season, in the offseason, for the fourth pick in the draft. So I'm trading players to what, what Eric was talking about guys who are like in the middle and they want to see if they can make it to the, the next level. I have more talent than anybody else. I want to constantly be building my value, right? So, well, like you gave up Blackman and Morton. I said, in two years, that's the best trade anyone's ever seen. Then last month, I traded in the league. We, my partner and I scored 147 points out of 150 in that DL. And it was the shortened season, but the team is good. We traded Trevor Bauer, right, for Louis Robert and Corbin Carroll because nice. the value was just too darn good. Yep. I have Robert above Bauer, and now all of a sudden I'm getting Carroll for free, then flipped Carroll for Hendricks. I'm constantly trying to grow the value, grow the value. And if you're at the top of your league, I'm still looking to trade. I'm still looking to guys who are trying to come up to my level and give me Fran Mill Reyes for the fourth pick in the draft, which turned into Adley Rutschman. I then flipped Rutschman this year right before the draft to a guy that wanted Rutschman so bad. You know who I got? Spencer Torkelson. Nice. I have Yasmani Grandal and Will Smith, so I don't need to, you know, you know what I'm saying? So it's yep. always just looking to build value every step of the way. Now that, that might hurt. Rutschman might be, you know, Johnny Bench and, and Torkelson might be as much of a struggle as he's been so far this spring. I don't think either of those things are going to happen. <laughs> and I have, and when you play enough dynasty leagues, then it becomes a question of, do I have Rutschman elsewhere? Yeah. I have Rutschman in two other leagues. Do I have Torkelson elsewhere? Well, at the time, not really. So, you know what? I want a little Torkelson. Because more importantly than anything else, guys, the game is supposed to be fun. It is. Yep. Have fun. 
Get players that you're excited to have on your team. That's what it's about. And make yourself better along the way. Anyway, that's it. Yeah. It, it's it's a learning process. It always is. You always learn, you know, pick up little things here and there. That's why, you know, kind of off topic, but in a, uh, it's a redraft league. It was a tag team NFBC. Uh, I think it was a big, I think it was $500 entry. I did a draft with Michael Govier from Roto Fanatic Palazzo podcast. I knew going in Michael, great dude. Him and I have very differing strategies, right? That's what I wanted. I didn't want to draft with somebody like myself because, like, what do you learn from that? If you're very similar, what do you learn? So I know I was like, draft with somebody that's kind of different from me, different approach. See if I can pick up something that I might not have thought about before. And in Dynasty Leagues, you got to do the same thing. you got to always be trying to learn, try to better yourself, better your approach. And, you know, most of Dynasty League is just assessing value, right? It's kind of like a stock market. you got to assess the value, you know, whether it's trending up, trending down. And I'm glad that, uh, Chris, you brought up kind of the, the veterans here because I think veterans are a cru- not a crucial piece, but they're a piece of, of dynasty leagues where people kind of sh- shy away. And I do an, an initial draft, sure. But at the same time, if you're a team that's on the up and up looking to contend, you can usually get the, the old guys, right, for, for nothing, right? Because they're, they're, you know, like Nelson Cruz. You can get Nelson Cruz for nothing. But, you know, if you give up a low prospect for a guy that can help you this year, you're probably not going to, you know, miss that low prospect, you know, obviously it depends on the value, but in the same thing, like you can always, if you're kind of trending, you know, that I mean, you're not contending this year and you can do something like what Ian did. You can trade a Blackman and a Morton. I guess you just don't like people named Charlie, I guess. That's what I'm getting at from this, yeah. but uh, you can trade these guys to get a Jason Dominguez who in, in turn, like you mentioned a year or two down the road, or even right now is a great value, a great trade chip. That that is definitely doing it, Eric. I was still doing it when I was competing. That's the right. But you should always be finding the value, no matter like I yes, it's either you're going for it or you're rebuilding. I even when I'm going for it, I'm rebuilding. I'm looking. Yeah. And 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 one of the thing I want I want to talk about the waiver wire too, because I think that that's under 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 discussed in dynasty leagues. It is in terms of how to make your team better. One trick is the waiver wire. I remember two years ago, I've told this story on another podcast, but it's applicable here. I saw a, a, a newsflash on Rotowire that this guy named Zach Gallen had pitched an 85 pitch complete game on March 30th in 2018 or 2019. I think it was 19. He pitched 80, and I said, a complete game? What, what's going on? It's the first week of the season I got through a complete game. And then I saw how many pitches did he pitch? Oh, 84. I was like, all right, I guess that makes sense. You could get a pitcher through a complete game in 84 pitches and you probably let him keep going. And I went, I'm putting him up for a buck. I'm just going to get him for a buck because I'm staying a little bit ahead of what everyone else is doing. So now I'm Zach Gallon on my team for a dollar in that dynasty league, Jared Walsh for a buck. If And then most importantly in September or late August, September, when everyone else is focusing on their fantasy football teams, I don't play fantasy football. I don't care for fantasy football. I don't care for football. <laughs> I care for baseball. So while everyone else is figuring out who their second tight end is going to be, I am scouring that waiver wire at the most valuable time of the season. Why? Because you got all these players who are coming up, and they're going to get their little cup of coffee. And so you just grab them, grab them, throw them down in your minors, and then just shuttle them in and out for the whole month of September. And then you have those guys in the offseason. And you can flip a Jared Walsh for a really good player, you know, 
depends. I mean, apparently you get Darrell Walsh for a fifth round pick, but the, but really focus on the waiver wire. It's a place people are like, Oh, it's trades. It's not just trades. It's the wire. It's the wire. Anyway, I just want to say that. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's a great point. Something I always try to do that your bottom part of your roster turn, you got to turn that over, right? For the, you know, you put in the thing for a gallon for a buck, Walsh for a buck. It doesn't work out. Who cares? Right? Like you didn't, but he didn't invest a lot into them. But if it does work out, like you mentioned, you got Zach Gallon for a buck. Guy that's a top 15 fantasy arm now and one of the more reliable arms in baseball. And I think that goes for, you know, even that goes for a bunch of different ways, right? Even like the bottom part of like my prospect pool and that 30 teamer, some of the trades I, I got done this offseason were like, all right, if you throw in, you know, like Drew Rom, I'll do it. Okay, done. Or if you throw in a, a fifth-round first-year player draft pick, I'll do it. Okay, done. These are players you're probably not going to you know miss, and they're players that are easily replaceable. Like, I can find someone of equal value on the wire, you know, for most part. So I always love to churn over the bottom part of my roster. Chris, are you, are you kind of the same way? Yeah, so just think about this. Like, last year in a probably a standard dynasty, we won't say the deepest dynasty leagues, but the guys you could have picked up on the wire, like Randy Rosarena or Framber Valdez, you know, these guys, like even Dominic Smith, these all were all guys that were, could have been crucial parts to your team and are now high-end dynasty assets. I mean, I know Valdez obviously entered this year, kind of kills some value, but still, like, there's guys available. So don't be afraid to to jump in and, and do this thing. Like Eric mentioned, like, churn the roster, like, don't be afraid to drop someone because you're afraid like, Oh, this reliever might get saves. Like you're going to miss out on the Rosarenas and the Valdez and the Dominic Smiths. If, if you do that. So don't be afraid to dive into the pool at all, because there's going to be value like Zach gallon. You could have, you could have scooped him up before anybody really knew about him. And now, you know, he's high end SP two and, and you've got him for nothing. So always, especially like starting pitchers, like don't be afraid in a dynasty league to, to jump in after, a good two starts like some guy starts out the year very hot that's mm. a no name go grab him stream him see what happens run with it you know you can you could end up with a corbin burns like there's a lot of guys like that that you'll end up with i'm glad you mentioned that that's the guys who i was going to just bring up now that's kind of i like to build obviously you can't build your entire pitching staff this way but you can build a, a decent chunk of it and get these guys that kind of pop is every year these these guys that pop for me last year, I got Cor- he, Corbin Burns after a good few starts in April and May, and now he is arguably my ace of my entire team at this point. So I, I have a couple. I have Vic Strasburg as well, but he's one of my core pitchers that I'm building around now. So that, that's a great point, and that's kind of the way I like to go about my pitching in, in general. Because like Ian mentioned, you know, with Dynasty, especially in the initial startup draft, you got to focus on the hitting, right? Because there's so much volatility with pitching especially at the down on the prospect level where you just don't know like look, look at you know a guy like shane bieber was shane bieber ever an elite prospect no was he a pretty good prospect like top 50 60 ish in that range i think i had him right in that you know 50 give or take range in my own rankings a few years ago so he had, obviously was was known it was like he came out of nowhere but did anybody really think that a guy like shane bieber was going to be a top three pitcher in the game no so, you know, and the guys that have, have flailed out and that like Forrest Whitley, all the talent in the world. Now, what is he? You know, like I was able to get a couple of good pieces for him, but for the most part, nobody wants to touch Forrest Whitley with a 10 foot pole at this point. You know, Mark Appel flailed out. So there's so much more volatility at pitching. You know, 
I like to get the core of hitting both at the major league level and the prospect level. And there's something else too I want to get your take on, on Ian, something I try to do. And I, and I wrote up in one of my articles about kind of like prospect strategy for dynasty leagues a few weeks ago. I like to layer my prospects, right? And I, you can do that from the beginning, get some, you know, win now pieces, get some win soon pieces as I call them. The guys that are like the Matt Mannings of the world, the George Kirby's that are pretty close or, you know, help you this year or next year. And then that third layer of like the Novi Martes and, and Luis Matoses and just on Dominguez's guys like that, that are, you know, that are a few years away, but it means you, you always have these steady waves that you can, you know, I yeah. got that wave now wave soon wave later. You know, is that something you like or something you might, you try yourself or how do you think about yeah, that? Yeah. I, 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 I like that. I mean, to me, the guys who are the closest are always going to be the most valuable. Yeah. I'll give an example of, of a guy who I was able to really maximize value on. Uh, and, and this is why I tend to want guys who are as close to the majors as possible, which we all do. But I do like the upside of Marte and Domingo. I mean, Marte especially. I really like him. But um, Cole Tucker. Remember when Cole Tucker came up in 2019 mm. and like four days where Cole Tucker was the best young player in baseball? He came up and he hit a home run in his first game. I traded him that night after the home run. Because I was like, he ain't going to be this good. Right. <laughs> he is bad as what he's ended up being. But he's never going to be. I mean, is he really going to be like the next like special shortstop? I don't see the pedigree there for that. But over time, but I was able to flip him that day and get a first round pick in the next year's draft for him. Because I thought he's not going to be. I don't think he's going to hold that value. And now he's back on the waiver wire. So, you know, I like to get the guys who are close. But I also like the mid-range guys, too. Like, I like Nolan Borman. I know I mean, oh, yeah. but I, I it's Brian Walton from who I play in XFL with. He writes the Cardinals Nation, you know, that website. And he said he's part of the reason why they didn't sign Colton Wong. Like, they're going to end up playing him at second base. Yeah. And, and that's where I got that idea from. And I was like, I'm going to get Nolan Gorman everywhere. I just I'm, I'm a big fan. So also, it's like, go get your guys. By the way, we're talking about like your Jared Kalanick. If you have C.J. Abrams in your league. And I'm in your league. You should probably call me because I'll probably <laughs> pay too much for him. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm about C.J. Abrams. So I, I, you should call me. You should call me. We'll see if we can work something out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if if you're in any of Ian's leagues, hit him up about C.J. Abrams because he wants him and will overpay for him. That's the moral of this story. And and yeah, that, that you know that's a, a great point and something you know the, I've always said the three best times to sell high on a, a mostly a prospect there's three ideal times right after they've been drafted or signed like the Torco sins you know the austin martins all the international guys like the wilman diaz's the carlos colmenares those the high pro the high you know upside guys you know right before right when their debut is imminent like jared kelnick is a great example of that i'm not saying sell him but a guy like kelnick um is a great example mackenzie gore another one or right after they've come up and dominated Randy Rosarena is the poster child for this. Is he going to be good? Yeah, probably. Probably he's a good player. He got he's got the tools, right? But is he going to be this stud that we saw, you know, hitting all these bombs under the bright lights in October? No, I don't know if I don't know if Tampa Bay even gets past your your New York Yankees, Ian, without Rosarena putting that entire team on his back last year. Like w- without him going bonkers, are they in a World Series? Probably not. 
I'm getting off topic here, but you know, guys <laughs> like that, you know, those are the three ideal times. Chris, you know, would you agree with that? Yeah, but sometimes it backfires. Like the day that the day one Soto debuted, I, I traded <laughs> oh, him. Oh no. And, okay, I traded him for Boba Shett and Joe Adele and Luke Weaver. So I, I still I would never do it again. Like I, I couldn't get myself to do it. Like Bo's great. I mean, I mean, I thought that was very scared for you. Yeah. So that's what so I'm always I've been hesitant ever since to trade prospects like when they debut, like Kilnick. Like I've gotten my home dynasty league. I'm like, someone's gonna overpay and give me like a Mookie Betts for him, probably, but I'm just afraid to to not. Like, who knows? Like if he it was Mookie Betts, I'd do it, but like a, a prospect yeah, Mookie Betts. I mean, yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know. Eric, you gotta do Mookie Betts in that spot. I've got on my rebuild list Kellenick at 16, but I got Mookie Betts at six. So yeah, I, I'm gonna, where, where do you, where do you have Robert off, off for that on the rebuild? 24. All right, so in that I traded six for 16 and 24. Could I have gotten maybe a little more at the at the time for Mookie? Probably, but I'm also one of the higher people around on Bo Bichette. I absolutely freaking love Bo Bichette. I think everyone knows that. Bo, I don't I, Bo I have you got Bo Bichette and who? I, I got Bo and Robert for Mookie. I got Bo Bichette's at seven. Mookie Betts nice. at six. There we go. So I so, I mean you just got a free you just got a free I mean that's a really based on this person's one opinion, that's a really, really good trade. You know, based yeah, on yeah. based on I see, Sorry, there. I mentioned the Soto thing, but here's the crazy thing. So, a couple months before I traded, like traded him, I traded for him. I traded for him preseason 2018 in that league. He was still like relatively unheard of. So he just like went off this year. And so here's here's what I'm gonna say. And this trade is insane, right? When you look at it now. But when you find things like, don't be afraid to be quick on these prospects. Because like I found a little tidbit about in the spring about Soto's hit tool and how polished it was and how good he looked and how he thought he might be up quick <laughs> so i traded cody allen and Corey dickerson who are totally irrelevant got got ahmed rosario greg polanco and the throw in was juan soto <laughs> he was nobody then but you just find little things and that can look look at the payoff you know but i'll tell and you these guys i mean if you're reading Eric Cross's articles, if you're reading my stuff, if you're reading uh, Brett Sayers, really smart dude. I mean, he. I remember when they signed Juan Soto, and he called me up and he said, "Get Juan Soto everywhere you can." I said, "Who is he?" He says, "16." He's. From, I said, "No." But then in the first year player draft, I took him at 11, and th there was uh, Craig Goldstein and Wilson Caraman were right behind me at 12, and I knew he wasn't going to get past 12, so I traded up to 11 got Juan Soto and held him. I'm going to tell you a quick Juan Soto story because it's fabulous. In 2019, the right the year that I traded Blackman and right there, um, I traded uh, – I, I needed a shortstop badly. But Didi Gregorius was injured. I had so many outfielders. I traded Juan Soto straight up for Fernando Tatis. Okay? So I got Tatis. He got Soto. I didn't – I ended up finishing second that year. And I, I didn't want to play in the league anymore. I was like, I'm so sad. I don't want Tatis. I want Soto. So then about a month ago, I looked at Rotor Professor's team, Rotor Professor and Ray Kuhn, and I said, you know, they need a shortstop now. And they're loaded in the outfield. And I have excess depth at shortstop. And I need an outfielder. 
So I called him up. I said, you want to swap him back? I said, I think you do, don't you? Like, couldn't you use Tatis? Don't you need the speed a little bit more than I do? Because I got Mondesi, so I don't need the speed. He's like, yeah, I really kind of need, I could use Tatis, and I'll give you back Soto. I'm like, yeah, I'll take Soto back. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. So I got him back, and we made it nice. that I now have Soto back, and the game is more fun. Soto's the best. He's my number one player in Dynasty. Who's your number one player in Dynasty? Juan Soto. Uh, I'll be the oddball. I got Acuna. Soto second. I mean, nothing wrong with that. There's like <laughs> one a, that, one that, that, that elite tier, you know. Yeah. But but to me, it's Soto. And the reason is, I just I, I think his injury risk is less than the other two. I think it's just the three, right? It's just the three. It's yeah. Soto. It's Soto, Acuna, and Tatis. Yeah. Tatis, I just worry. I worry about him diving for everything and hurting a shoulder. Acuna, I worry about him running into a wall. Soto just feels safer to me. And Juan Soto in the box is maybe my favorite thing to do when oh he's looking at the oh that that swagger that he yeah. had. Like, my favorite thing, my favorite you know Juan Soto memory, I guess you call it that home run he hit off Verlander. You know after you know Verlander threw him that pitch and Soto did his you know did his thing in the batter's box and Verlander was like bark at him you know not here or whatever Verlander said and then the next pitch was kind of like a you know a letter high fastball and Soto hits it. Seven gajillion feet into the eighty-third deck of that, <laughs> like it was like one of the longest moments I've ever seen. And then he just had that swagger, the the bat drop, and so oh my god, and the Soto shuffle. I love players like this, especially Soto. He's he's my boy. Everyone knows that. But somehow, um, somehow it doesn't. Somehow you don't get a ball in your ear if you're Juan Soto. Can you explain that? Because that's part of part of my calculation. Yeah, like yeah, Munoz going to get hit. Tatis, they're going to hit him. People don't hit Soto. It's like they respect him too well. Is that right? right? You see what I'm saying there? And yeah, so, I think so you take out that that intentional I'm gonna hit you with a pitch experience that takes away five percent of the risk that I would add to Acuna or Tatis, and that's a determining factor for me. Because Acuna's popping jerseys, Tatis is popping jerseys, Soto is acting like this, but for some reason he's more liked. Yeah. Explain it. Well, maybe Acuna gets hit less now that Jose Urania is not in the division anymore. <laughs> maybe, <We'll see>. yeah. <laughs> that, that that is a good point. That's something to think about. Where yeah, I don't know. I think the respect is there for Soto because while he does have that flair, I mean, he isn't really popping the jerseys, and he kind of the way he approaches himself in the in the batter's box, where he's one of the most advanced hitters <laughs> in the league, and it's like he's still only twenty two. Like he's been that advanced forever, even when he came up nineteen twenty. He was already super advanced. It's the way you know his way he can take a pitch just just off the plate, and most people, especially kids his age, will swing at. Yeah, it's like he's a a ten year veteran that's still twenty two. Ted Williams is he Ted Williams? Wasn't that written this week? I forget. I think it was on Fangraphs. Someone said he's Ted Williams, and I, I mean maybe it's it's a, I, I hate to do these lofty comps, but like it could be with, with Soto. Mm-hmm. I think we're looking at. One of the best, he might be the best hitter we've ever seen when his career is all done. He might be the best hitter we've ever seen. I don't know. And like, and that, or right there with like Barry, you know, people have varying opinions on Barry Bonds. And I, you know, I'm a big Albert Pujols guy as well. But Soto has that chance to be right up there. Mm. Uh, one last quick thing here before we get you out, Ian. You've kind of mentioned, you've mentioned all the teams you have a co manager in, you I know. Do. What you know, if someone's looking to get into a dynasty league that might be like, ah, oh, I don't know if I have 
the the time to invest into a league by myself. Is that something you would recommend as finding a co-manager? No, not not when you're first starting out. I mean, for me at this point, I'm in so many leagues that and industry leagues I do on my own, right? So in I just did AL Labor this past week, though I have a good story about that, but I don't know if we have the time um, about the help that I got for that. But um, I, I think Dynasty Leagues as partners is fun. There's got to be a lead dog who can make the calls, right? But yeah. here's the upside of having a partner. You want to know what it is? I'll tell you. You can play agent between the two teams. So I want to make that trade with you, but I can't get my partner to make this deal. So we got to add a little bit more. Like you got to add a pick. And even if, you know, so that that adds a little bit more to it. Um, yep. That there's, there's I, I notice it with other people. When I'd make a deal with somebody and they'd be like, yeah, yeah. And I'd be like, oh, that's great. I love that. I, this is really good trade. He said, let me just check with my partner. His partner goes, are you crazy? Why are you doing that? And then he comes back and says, sorry, I can't do that. I was like, that's a real advantage for you. That you have the opportunity to go to a partner and double check your trade. So I have a, a partner, Robert Mershak, in DL1. A partner, uh, it was my team. And then after I traded Soto, I was like, I don't want to do this. It was just me and Alex Cushing fighting it out for championship year after year after year. So like I've won four, he's won four in the last eight years in this 15 team league. And I was just like, you know what? Come on, Rob, come join us, come join me. And now I do it with him and it's more fun. I joined Wilson Caraman in the Devils Rejects. It was his team. He asked me to come on to help and I did. It's really fun. I share a team with Brett Sayer. Brett and I get to hang out and talk. I share another team with Steve Gardner. So there's no dynasty league as of now that I'm in that I do purely by myself. Um, but I do do the industry leagues by myself and it's just more fun. Uh, but, but if I was first starting out, I would want to do it myself because I gotta, you gotta learn for me at this point with dynasty, I, I kind of know the game. I feel like I know and but I say that there's always room to grow. Always, 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 always room yeah. to grow. Like I, I I'm going to give somebody credit on the show. So I played Tower Wars. I was very fortunate in 2019. I won Tower Wars in my first year in the head-to-head 12-team league. Then the second year, I played, and I was in first place. And then in the last week, Ariel Cohen tied me, and he won on tiebreaker. And I was like, you piece it. <laughs> and I called him up about a month ago, and we were talking, maybe less. And I said, we're, you know, and I said, you, guys, you can teach me something. You beat me. He said, well, you know, we really, we tied. I was like, yeah, I know. We did tie. But but we were he likes my impression of him by the way. Um, <laughs> I was with, I was just saying that's a good impression of Ariel. Yeah, no, I've got the Ariel Cohen impression down. <laughs> uh, you know, really, we tied. And I said, but Ariel, do you think that there's a place in my game that's not as developed? Like, what can I learn from you? And he said, Well, I'd rather not tell you because we're going to be competing for the next. <laughs> I said, Yeah, I get that. But if you would tell me, I can share with you some of the things that make me a better player, and we can both grow. It's okay. Well, you really don't know what you're doing with auction strategy, if we're being honest, Ian. I mean, you're great, great trader and great at player evaluations, but when it comes to auction strategy, you really don't know what you're doing. So I said, really? Okay. <laughs> and I spent the week before AL Labor on the phone with Ariel Cohen, two hours a day, learning how I can get better at auction strategy. And I highly recommend that. Like, yep. because he was the teacher, I was a student. He's like, no, you really haven't figured this out yet. There's certain hot spots that you have to focus on. And so now I kind of learned it, you know, and I learned it from him and from him being generous enough to share it with me and me being humble enough to say I need the help. So 
I would, I would really recommend that. It's like, try to get, try, never think you've got it. You never have. Absolutely. Because someone's ready to come along and be, I learned this from being an actor for so many years. And whenever I thought, ah, I really made it now as an actor. Now I got it. Now I got it. Boom. Cut right at your knees. So yeah. I, I try to take that and put it into uh, fantasy baseball as well. That, that is a great point and something that I can't hammer home enough as, as well. Always learn. It's always something you can be better at, whether, you know, it's a little aspect here or there. Always learn. There's so many knowledgeable people in this industry that can help you. And this a lot of good people as well, the people that are willing to help out. And that's the great thing about this industry. That's going to wrap us up, though. Ian, man, thank you so much for coming on. This was a blast. It was really fun. And I'm going to say one more thing. Yeah. Um, you guys answer so many questions on Twitter. Like, you guys are the kings. I'm on the verge of doing this, though. On my Dynasty Rank page at The Athletic, I have, like, 100 questions. And I answer every single one of them. So if you're, if you're not an Athletic subscriber, I would recommend becoming an Athletic subscriber. You can ask me any question you want. On Twitter, I'm going to be a little less apt to do it at this point. On my face, on my um, Athletic Fantasy Baseball Dynasty page, which is where if you have not subscribed, you should subscribe from, please. So not a phenol, blah, blah, blah. But then you can ask me anything and I'm going to have, I'll have a conversation with you. It's part of what I'm offering over at The Athletic. And if you just want to do it on Twitter, there is nobody better than these two guys. Because not only do they answer everything, it seems, but I, I tend to always agree with the way that they go. I appreciate that. Oh, Great, you, greatly man. appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. If you're not a subscriber over at The Athletic, definitely do so. You can do so like Ian mentioned. Check out his rankings. Check out the Under the Radar podcast. Very, very good podcast. I love it. Listen as much as I can in my busy schedule. But again, Ian, thank you so much. Much love to you. Much respect to you. You're one of my, even before I got into the industry, you're one of the people I looked at, looked up to, and you've been a great help for me in my personal career. So props to you. Thanks to you. Thanks Rob, for coming on. Great, man. You're yeah. great, Eric Cross. I, you're truly one of the one of the greats in this industry. I appreciate that. And Chris, you said, man, it's great. Thank you, man. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. Really. Yeah, thank you again so much for coming on with us. Yeah, th this was a lot of fun. We hope it was you know beneficial to everybody in their dynasty leagues. A lot of great stuff this um, this episode. We'll be back with you again next week with more dynasty and prospect talk. But until then, everyone, take care. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer Aerospace Excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. 
Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Start a global hospitality brand? Be Next to do it in Montgomery County, Maryland. Visit BeNext.ThinkMOCO.com to see how our top talent, diversity, and location will help you be the next company to change the world. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable.